if you want to read along with me, then you can turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. I'm going to start reading at verse 41 and read through until 51. And the words will appear on the screen as we read them. It's entitled, The Boy Jesus at the Temple. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they travelled on for a day. Then they began looking for him amongst their relatives and friends. But when they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple court, sitting amongst the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all of these things in her heart. Let's pray together as we come to God's word this morning. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity to open up Scripture together once again. And we pray, Lord God, that as we consider these verses that we've read together this morning, that in the midst of everything, we'll hear your voice. Lord, will you speak to us individually about what you're calling us to do and how you're calling us to grow and to draw closer to you? But will you also speak to us collectively as a church, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you're a parent and you are watching this this morning, I wonder if you have ever been in a position where you have maybe got separated from your child in a crowded place before. It hasn't happened really to me very often, but I can remember a couple of years ago when we went to visit some friends over the other side of the country. Do you remember those times where we could just travel outside of our areas and visit other people? They were good times, weren't they? But we traveled together to the other side of the country to see some friends, and we went to the park, and we played some football uh, with our kids at this time. It was a big park. It was probably a similar size to Central Park here in Plymouth, and we were playing some football, and I sat down for a while and let the boys carry on, and they were kicking a ball about, and we were having a chat. And then all of a sudden, I realized as I looked up that one of my boys was missing, and panic started to set in. I was thinking to myself, oh my goodness, where have they gone? So we started to frantically search for this child. Fortunately, they weren't actually that far away. But what happened in a place where they didn't realize or understand or have been before, they got a little bit disorientated and they turned in the wrong direction. And instead of coming back to us, they walked off in a different direction across this park. It wasn't really a big deal. It was just a few minutes, but I remember in those times and in those few minutes, my heart jumping into my mouth and getting all worried and all flustered and thinking, oh my goodness, where have they gone? And when I 
found the child again, then your mind starts to race even more, doesn't it? You start to think to yourself, they could have been kidnapped. What if I'd never seen them again? I'm such an awful parent. Oh my goodness, how have we let this happen? Where reality is, we've just lost sight of this particular child for a few minutes. And probably they don't even remember this particular instance of this day. But as a parent, I can remember the feelings that I went through just in those few moments of losing sight of my son. Have you ever been in a similar situation, I wonder? As we open up scripture together this morning, what we see is a time where Jesus was left behind. I mean, that's crazy, isn't it? It's one thing me losing one of my children in a park, but here we have the saviour of all mankind being lost by his parents. You would think that they would have a bit more of a handle on their child, right? I mean, after all, this particular child... He has the whole of the human race to save. They can't afford to lose this one at all. But nevertheless, Jesus gets left behind. And what I want you to see from this passage this morning, as we open this up and as we talk about this together, is that actually leaving Jesus behind is a relatively simple thing to do. And I want us to ask the question this morning, where and when Have we left Jesus behind in our own lives? Surprisingly, what we have just heard read to us by Zoe this morning is the only account in Scripture which we read about of Jesus' childhood. Before Jesus starts his earthly ministry at the age of about 30, we actually know very, very little about Jesus. There are many apocryphal tales about Jesus as a child, but actually the Scriptures only highlight this one particular instance which indicates to me that there are some very important learning points for each and every one of us as we look at this passage together today. And just for a little bit of context as to what we have heard read to us today, Jesus, being a Jew, would have had to follow all of the customs and the traditions that every Jewish man had to follow. Jewish men were required to go to the temple three times a year for Passover, for Pentecost, and for the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, That's a relatively easy thing to do when all the Jews live in one country, to go to this one place every single year. But what happens over the course of time and the course of the Roman Empire getting bigger and bigger is that the Jewish nation and the Jewish people begin to spread out too. And as time goes on, it becomes very hard to make this journey to the temple three times a year. The journey got bigger and bigger and bigger. So what happens is general practice became that Jews visited the temple just once a year. The journey that Jesus and his parents would have taken would have taken about three days to complete. This was a long, arduous journey on foot. They didn't have the luxuries of modern transport that we enjoy today. And it's quite easy, isn't it, to look at this situation that we read about today and think to ourselves, how on earth does Mary and Joseph lose sight of their son for an entire day. If you've ever been in a position where you've been separated from your child, it doesn't take too long generally to work out that they're not there and they're not with you, and then you start to panic. But what we read today is that Mary and Joseph didn't notice for an entire day. But this is not modern times. Mary and Joseph didn't have the luxury of saying to their kids at the end of the day, right, kids, it's time to go home now. Get in the back of our seven-seat Vauxhall Sephira and we'll make our journey back to our house. No. In those days, 
the way people traveled was very different. When you would go to the temple, you would travel in a large convoy. You would travel with a lot of people. It was the safest way to do it because there were robbers and there were all kinds of nasties along the way which could have tripped you up and caused you harm. So the best way to do it was to travel with large groups of people. And in those days, the men, they would have traveled separately to the women. Women with young children were generally slower when it came to travel than the men. So what would happen often is that the women would travel first, and they would go out in a convoy together, and then a few hours, the men would follow on behind, and they would ultimately catch up to the point where they were going. Now, speculating on this particular situation, what has happened, I think, is that Jesus is getting older. He is almost at the point in Jewish culture where he was considered a man. So it's quite possible that as these two groups set out, Mary naturally assumes that Jesus is with his father Joseph, because he's getting older, and they go on. And Joseph naturally assumes that Jesus is with his mother Mary. So they go on. All the time, they're traveling in their separate groups, and they're none the wiser that Jesus is not actually there. And what happens is that they come together at the end of the day, and they say, hey, where's Jesus? And they're like, I thought he was with you. No, I thought he was with you. Jesus is missing. Now, Mary and Joseph weren't bad parents. Far from it. You don't entrust a couple to bring up and raise the saviour of mankind if they're not up for the task. The issue is that in this particular moment, they have become engrossed in their own business. Now, they weren't living sinfully. They weren't willfully disobeying God. I mean, far from it. In fact, they were doing exactly what they should have been doing. They were visiting the temple to fulfill the requirements which were placed upon them. But in their attempts to fulfill the requirements of the law, they lost sight of the only one who could actually fulfill the requirement of the law on their behalf. How on earth does this happen? There wasn't a major shift in their behavior, that's for sure. There wasn't any fallout. In fact, what actually happens at this time is quite subtle. It had to be quite subtle in order for them not to realize Jesus wasn't with them for an entire day. Put simply, their priorities were different to the priorities of Jesus. The priorities of Jesus was to be about his father's business in his father's house. The priorities of Mary and Joseph at this point was to get home and get back to where they were living. And as a result, they got distracted and they left Jesus behind. Now, I'm sure you can see where I'm going with this already this morning, but I wonder how many times we leave Jesus behind because our priorities are different to his. And like Mary and Joseph, so often the change in priorities can be subtle. So often the change in priorities can be easily justifiable, can't they? Whether it's work, whether it's family life, whether it's self-care, whether it's making sure we're safe in the midst of a pandemic, whether it's making sure we've got enough money in the bank in order to sustain us. I don't know what it might be for you, but the priorities that we project, we justify And they sound like they're good and they're proper things. And so often, they're not bad priorities and they're not wrong priorities. But when they become our main focus, Jesus can get left behind. 
our faith can become lethargic. We can grow a little bit lukewarm about things and Jesus can merely become a little bit of an add-on. I wonder if anyone can identify with this this morning. But hang on a minute, Luke. Are you suggesting that we shouldn't focus on our family, that we shouldn't focus on our earthly relationships or our work or our health? Of course I am not saying that. Jesus wants your family to thrive. Jesus wants you to use your God-given gifts. He wants you to live healthy lives. He wants you to have wholesome relationships with one another. But what I am saying is that for the Christian, there is a higher priority even than those things. Jesus puts it like this in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. What Jesus is saying quite bluntly here is that as a Christian, we are called to seek the things of God, even over everything else in the world, no matter how good and right they might seem. Does that mean that we neglect the daily duties which sustain our lives? Of course it doesn't. But as the Christian, we are called to have a different attitude towards them. Notice that Jesus says here, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things will be added unto you. What I believe that Jesus is getting at here is that when we make God's priorities our priorities, all of the other things in our life become naturally enhanced. Let me give you an example. As a husband, I want to be the best husband that I can possibly be. The best way to do that is to make Jesus my priority, even over my wife. Because when I make Jesus my priority, even over my wife, I suddenly realize that I am called as a Christian to love my wife as Christ loves the church. So therefore, making Jesus my priority, even over my wife, means my earthly relationship with my wife should be naturally enhanced because I suddenly see the relationships through the eyes of Jesus, and suddenly I see things as they really should be. Everything becomes enhanced when we make Jesus Christ our priority. If you want to walk closely with Jesus this year, don't lose sight of prioritizing him because of the other things in life which can so easily get in the way. Don't prioritize the things of this world over him. And I wonder this morning, how are you doing right now? Are you walking closely with Jesus today? Or if you're honest, I mean, if you're really honest, have you maybe lost sight of him a little bit? A helpful question to maybe ask each and every one of us this morning is this. Where do I primarily spend my energies? Is it on things which ultimately will perish? Or is it on things which last for eternity? I don't ask questions like that this morning to guilt anyone or to make anyone feel bad. The great news this morning is that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But it is important for each and every one of us to constantly examine ourselves and constantly examine our hearts and ask the question, Lord, am I walking closely with you? Of course, like any good and responsible parents, the moment that Mary and Joseph realized that Jesus was not actually with them, they went off and they searched for him. And notice from our scripture today, the first place which they searched for Jesus. The first place they go is to their family and friends. 
Well, you might say, well, of course, that's the first place they're going to go. That's the obvious place to look. You're not going to go into different places where actually he could well be where he should have been all along. But Jesus wasn't to be found among the family and friends of Mary and Joseph. And you know, when it comes to our faith walk with Christ, I wonder how many of us end up tagging on to the coattails of someone else's faith. You might have been coming to church for years because it's important to your spouse, so you just simply tag along as well. You might have been raised in a Christian home with Christian parents, and as a result, there is some kind of faith there, but you've never really accepted Christ for yourself, and you've never really entered into a relationship with him. Ultimately, for Mary and Joseph, the search for Jesus among the relatives was futile. They had to find Jesus for themselves. And I want to lay a challenge down this morning. Have you found Jesus for yourself? Do you have a relationship with him? Or are you, if you're honest, living off the faith of another? In times like this, it's easy to lose sight of Jesus. There have been times during this pandemic where, if I'm being honest, my faith life has been at its lowest point that it has for a long time where you feel helpless and you feel hopeless and you feel under immense strain, it's easy to forget about Jesus. It's easy to lose sight of him. It's at times like this where we can simply find ourselves going through the motions and maybe living off the faith of others. And I don't know where you are at today, but the good news is that if you find yourself in that situation, Jesus is there to be found again today. The account, I guess, that we've read today is even more memorable because the, the reunion scene that we see at the end of this passage play out. You see, after searching and searching and searching for Jesus, he is finally found. He's finally found in the temple. And there's this scene where Mary runs up to Jesus and she's delighted that she's found her son. She's relieved that she's found her son. She's probably a little bit angry as well as to what has happened. And she says to him, Jesus, we've been looking everywhere for you. And I love Jesus' response. Why have you been looking? Didn't you know that I'd be about my father's business? Friends, how is your walk with Christ today? Are you feeling a little bit distant from him? The truth is, Jesus hasn't moved. He has always been where he has always been. He has always been about his father's business. And wherever we are, and whenever we find ourselves distant from God, it's always us that does the moving. It's always us that steps away. We're the ones who walk away. We're the ones who get distracted. We're the ones who allow our hearts to grow hard. Jesus has never moved, and he is there to be found again today. And I'm reminded once again of the story of the churches in the book of Revelation. I'm sure you know the stories and the, the things that Jesus says. But in the book of Revelation, Jesus speaks specifically to seven churches, about seven different instances and seven different areas of their life which need challenging. And in Revelation chapter 2, he speaks to the church in Ephesus. And he says this, and I'm paraphrasing uh, this here. He says to the church, listen, I know what you're doing. I see that you're trying hard. I know that you've gone through tough times and you have endured hardship of many kinds and you have overcome. Yet, church, this is what I hold against you. You've lost sight of your first love. 
What's Jesus' exhortation to the church in Revelation? He says to them, remember, repent, turn back, and do the things that you used to do. See how high you have fallen and come back. Jesus hadn't moved, but they got distracted. In Luke chapter 2, Mary and Joseph departed. Jesus hadn't moved. Mary and Joseph got distracted and they moved away. Where are you at today? Are you walking closely with Jesus? If you are, praise God. Keep on keeping on. Help your brothers and sisters in Christ who maybe are struggling right now. But I wonder if you're honest with yourself this morning, are you looking around and wondering, Jesus, where are you right now? He hasn't moved. He's doing what he has always done, going about his father's business. And today, the call for each and every one of us is to quit your striving and come back to him. As I mentioned earlier, this is the only account in scripture of Jesus as a little child. We know very little about his life before this. But you know, what we see in this short passage is life-changing. The call to each and every one of us again today is to align our priorities with his. He is about his father's business, and we are called to be the same. And the final challenge from this passage, just a little bit after this passage that we've read together today, in fact, that I believe there is that we need to pick up on today, is that if we are called to walk closely with Jesus, we're also called to grow in him. If we were to have read verse 52 together, verse 52 tells us that Jesus grows up in many ways following this particular instance. He grows up intellectually. We read that he grew in wisdom. He grew in stature, meaning that he grew in maturity as well. We see that he grew spiritually, growing in favor of God and men. The point that I'm making is that growth was important to Jesus, a growth needs to be important to us too. Why is spiritual growth important? Because it's when we grow in maturity in our faith, we begin to wander less. The simple fact is we cannot grow in Jesus unless we stay connected to him. John chapter 14, 5 and 6 says this, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. And you know, it's in that process of learning to abide in Christ that we become more like Christ. And it's in becoming more like Christ, we realize more and more and more how much we depend on him. Do you know that you can grow up, but never grow up spiritually? We read these words in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12. You have been Christians a long time now, and you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things a beginner must learn about the scriptures. You are like babies who only drink milk and cannot eat solid food. And a person who is living on milk isn't far along in their Christian life and doesn't know much about doing what is right. 
for so many, a faith journey starts and ends with asking Jesus to come into our life. But that's not the end. And we continually need to be going and growing in Christ. It's a journey known as sanctification, a process where God begins to make us more like his son. How is that process achieved? By walking close to Jesus. The point that I'm trying to make this morning is a simple one. At the start of this new year, a year which, like the previous one, promises many highs and many lows, much turmoil and much uncertainty, the need to make sure we don't lose sight of Christ is more prevalent than ever. And the reality is, losing Jesus can feel even more stark at this point because the things that we have relied upon, maybe all of our Christian lives, in order to help sustain us, seem like they've been taken away. The fact that we can't meet together, the fact that we can't see each other in person, makes it feel even more obvious. So the call today, once again, for all of us, is to examine our hearts to look openly and honestly at our own lives and our own walk with Christ and ask the question, Jesus, am I walking with you right now? Or have I lost sight of you? Have I let the priorities of the daily grinds block out the priorities that you have for me? The truth is this morning, church, Jesus hasn't moved. He is still there. He is always doing what he has always done. He is always about his father's business. And the call this morning is to come back. Come back to him. Walk by his side again. Don't do this on your own. If you do, it won't end well. Jesus is the one who has our best interests at heart. He is the one who knows the best path for our lives. He is the one who will journey this path with us closer than a brother. So today, church, let's examine our hearts. I'm going to invite the band to come back up. And let's take a moment to pray as the psalmist prayed this morning. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Church, as we worship God in song this morning, use this opportunity to ask God to search your hearts. And let's individually and as a church commit ourselves once again to turning back to the place where Jesus is, making his priorities our priorities going about our Father's business. Father God, this morning I want to pray for our church wherever we're watching this right now. I pray for us as a congregation and us as individuals. Lord, may this be a moment where we search ourselves. Will you help us? Help us to realize that in doing so there is no condemnation. Just the call to come back and to turn back and do the things that we always did. Forgive us for the times where we have got distracted and wandered. Help us today to go about our Father's business once again. In Jesus' name, amen.